York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. going on this is jls from the nick of time show here giving you that Knicks talk just in the nick of time and it's time to talk about a Knicks win finally you hear the music it's Knicks win music today because the Knicks beat the rockets shorthanded no jalen brunson no rj barrett just julius randall and friends 108 to 88 shout out to these Knicks who stopped a five game losing streak all right let's get to these stats though julius randall 35 points six assists one block with 12 rebounds mitch chipson with six points and 12 rebounds quickly still dropping buckets gives you 27.7 assists and three steals quentin grimes gives you 19 points two assists and two steals the Knicks attempt 32 free throws on the night and hit a good clip. At the same time, they force 24 turnovers and score really 37 points off of those turnovers. And the Knicks win. Oh into 2023 above 500 for the first time in 10 years and we're going to talk about it all before i talk about it first shout out to fubu tv if you want to watch the knicks for free for seven days on msg go to fubutv.com slash kot and you can watch those knicks for free for seven days all right, and if you decide to buy it, KOT gets a cut and you help us out and you get to watch Nick's other sports channels and other cable channels for free. And the best part is it has no contract. So shout out to FUBU to TV. All right, all right. Also, please hit that like button early and subscribe to the channel if you fill in our breakdowns and our Nick's talk. All right, but before I begin to get to the details of the game, also, I want to introduce you to my guy. You already know what it is. Mr. Posting and Toasting contributor, ESPN contributor, Deadspin contributor, even, I said, why? Contributor, my man, Lee Escobedo, the Latin assassin. What's going on, Lee? Man, I need a break, bro, from that uh, Mavs game. I was there in person with my pops. Oh. Brutal, dude. Brutal. So I didn't even watch the Spurs game. Uh, I finally had the doll to check out y'all's uh, post-game recap for that Mavs one when Raw was on the show. And yeah. uh, it inspired me to want to come on here and, and talk some nits because I had some disagreements with some of the points that were made on that show and the team moving forward. But I got to say, I am happy they won the night, mostly, mostly for my guys, man. The guys on my team, I think they really needed something like a pick-me-up before we go into the new year. Uh, to me, this win didn't move a needle at all. I mean, it was kind of everything we knew showed itself to be true, uh, both good and bad. But I think this win was needed for the guys' morale to be picked up after a five-game losing streak. And I think there's still probably still some hauntings of that Dallas game and the way that that played out. Yeah, th there's certain things to address. Um, 
but we'll we'll definitely get to that. We can, we can talk about that. We'll, we'll get to this game first, and then we'll get to your disagreements um, about the Dallas game, our, our points there, and the team moving forward. But we can definitely get to all that. But what, before, what, let's get to this game in particular. Uh, the Spurs game, Spurs, they shot well from three last game, scored 38 points in the first quarter. This game seemed eerily similar. Shot. They made 35 points in the first quarter of this game. Shot well from three again. Matter of fact, they, I think they were eight for 12 from three in the first quarter, and they shot one for 12 in the second quarter. So the defense picked up. And the only reason we was able, able to kind of keep up was we did force turnovers. We had like four turnovers or so in the first quarter, and Julius Randle was able to score when he wanted to and kept us in the game. Um... But overall, you know, we got together. We got together. Um, the defense picked up. We held this team to 100, 100 points. And we put it together without... It was an ugly game. It wasn't a game where you're like, wow, offensively, everything is all clicking. Outside of Julius Randle, really, who had a, an, another great night, um, shot 45% from the three, 38% from three. Don't look now, but... Randall is, is creeping up on um, NBA average from three while giving you uh, career highs and I think field goal percentage, I believe. I don't know if it's field goal percentage or, or two-point percentage. I looked earlier today. And also the turnovers are also starting to come down. I'm liking the way Julius Randall's rounding into shade offensively. Seems very much in control all game. Um, Drew fouls at a high clip, 12 or 16 from the free throw line and just kind of dominated this game and dominated a team who really doesn't have a go-to guy. I don't know. What did, what did you see from the game, Lee? Yeah, the Houston Rockets were one of the worst teams in the NBA on both sides of the ball. So, you know, unlike the Spurs game, I really felt like that they couldn't lose twice to two bottom feeders back-to-back. I really felt like that they would at least split um, after the Dallas game going to deeper south into Texas that they would they split these two games, and they did. Uh even though I think there were a lot of miscues that some of them had carried over in the first quarter where they weren't fighting to get under screens and uh, the Houston Rockets were nailing threes, uh, just about mm-hmm. everybody on the team was nailing threes. You didn't kind of see the chemistry change from the first to second quarter because guys were really getting hot. A lot of the Houston yeah. Rockets players were trying to, to, to set uh, – to draw charges and foul, offensive fouls on the Nets too, just like going to extra effort on defense because everyone was lighting up in three. And then the Nets really locked in, especially with Brian quickly, to really get yeah. under strength and keep those shooters um, to, to have a man in front of them and not give them a, a, enough space on the perimeter, which I was happy to see. And that's a Tom Thibodeau team. You know, yeah. if we don't criticize, you have to give props where it's due as well. And those adjustments usually are made within the span of the first half, you know, Tibbs is not lock in, let guys know what needs to be done. And the team communicates because that's also ingrained in them uh, through practices and communication uh, on, on the defensive side. But I wasn't really impressed with with the bench production that has a lot to do too with injuries. Cause now our, our mm-hmm. bench players are our starters. Um, but every minute that, that Isaiah Hartenstein plays, it just like brings back memories of Michael Doliat, man, the dude is just like garbage. He's gotten worse every game. It feels like, I think the beginning of the season, he, he started out, uh, I was more optimistic about the potential yeah. he could bring to the lineup. And we've had our conversation about how he's not utilized uh, in the high pick and roll to find cutters, but in the role that he is being utilized, it, he's awful. I'm, I'm starting to really hate the Sims-Hartenstein pairing. 
Uh, every time Mitch sits down, you know, um, my, my sphincter clinches a little bit because I know that we're about to have some really terrible rotations on a perimeter for shooters. Uh, but it is what it is. The high points throughout this losing streak, I have nothing bad to say about Julius Randle. The man's balling. I mean, the, the stats for December were unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I saved a meme that I saw that had his full lineup of accomplishments for the, this last month. 28 points a game on 48% field goal shooting, 38% from three, 11.4 rebounds, and 37 minutes a game. That's really efficient and unbelievably awesome all-star caliber play for my man, Julius Randle. Got no complaints for him. Not, not rating the trade bell uh, for him. I'm really happy with him leading the charge. And like the minutes that I from Grimes as well. Quickly was kind of a mixed bag, even though the stats were gaudy. The shooting mm-hmm. splits were horrific again. But I had nothing bad to say about Quentin Grimes playing in front of his hometown. Saw his mom in the stands. That was really sweet to see. Yeah, this is one of those things. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a triple down on the Randall. The Randall. He he's turned the corner mentally. Um, the turnovers are down. I talked about this the last time, Lee. Um, I said in the beginning of the season, I'm really going to start to judge Randall. Um, when I really start to see how he moves when Jalen Brunson is down, will he be able to keep his head? Will he be able to you know to not um get too frustrated and get all these extra texts and fouls and lose control. It's the Spurs game, the one that we lost, I I commend Randall for keeping his cool because he didn't. This is a, one of those games where everybody was shooting like crap. It looked, and even though we lost, I liked the headspace he was in. And even when the game was on the line, he kept fighting. And even though, you know, Randall is not a first option, it didn't always look pretty. But I like the headspace he's in. So I I like where he is mentally. I like where his numbers are going. I can see as the year progresses that um, we might start to see. He was shooting 40% from three in that COVID year. Yeah. Um, and he really started turning it on to that 40% mark after the halftime mark in February. He's approaching 34% now, and he's been steadily climbing each month. Um, I'm curious to see if he ends the year, maybe not 40, but kind of close to it, like 37 or 38, because he, he seems like he's in a real rhythm right now. I got to give it to him. And and even just the, the wherewithal to like, you know what? These guys can't guard me. We're struggling right now. Let me get a couple of rip through fouls so I can get myself on the foul line to get going. Heady stuff like that. It just seems like uh, Randall's basketball IQ is growing before our eyes. So uh, I salute Randall for his performance this year for sure. I agree. He's and the thing about him consistently, he's playing hard on both ends of the floor. It doesn't mean that he's not making mistakes or that he can't slip into an ISO centric mode. But he's yeah. all, the effort's always there, and that wasn't the case last year. And I think that's where a lot of the fans got divisive with him, and the relationship started to deteriorate, is because the effort wasn't always there game to game. This season, even during the losses, even during this five game stretch, dude has had tried his best to put the team on his back to get guys involved, you know, and to, to try to find his guys that are in shooting slumps and and keep the rhythm going, encouraging them. He's being vocal. I had nothing bad to say about him. Man. He's playing really good defense. He's playing bulldog uh, on the offensive end. Absolutely. And I, I'm gonna get into the. I'm gonna, I'm going to get into quickly and Grimes in a minute as well. Um, quickly. 
Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. Let me see. Where are you? Quick, quickly. Twenty-seven points, seven assists, plus twenty-five on the night. Three steals, five rebounds. Um, I was really put. I really wanted quickly to start this year before we got Jalen Brunson. I felt like quickly could actually, you know, um, see him grow in a starting role with consistent minutes. Um, and the shooting numbers weren't really pretty today. Thirty percent. 36% from the field, 30% from three. The game with the Spurs, they were a little bit nicer, even though the middle, the middle of the game wasn't, you know, wasn't good. But the fourth quarter, he turned it on and he had the splits actually looked better towards the end of the night. But uh at the end of the day, I'm I'm the double digit scoring, the high assist numbers, the high rebound numbers for a guard or, or something that I like. And I, I just wonder, I'm very happy that Brunson is here, but I just wonder if last season he really got the starting pointing guard nod, where would he be? You know, um, more specifically in the second half of the season, because this is only his third start or so. And he's giving you 20 plus points a game and what? maybe over six assists at this point because he had a what, 15 assist game the other day um and on top of that the defense has been good the spurs i said it in the spurs game he the, the matchups were bad for us those guys are longer i felt like the the taller guys were able to shoot over him but today i feel like quickly and grimes and mcbride did a good job buckling down on defense today quickly did a really good job reading those passing lanes um after they they uh collapsed on drivers and got some steals masterful game for quickly tonight plus 25 one of the highest plus minus on a night him and julius randall share the highest plus minus plus 25 and i'll also say this too um and th this being his the first time he's actually started um and just the team in general, I think this is a philosophy difference for me. I feel like a lot of people are kind of hard on the team once Brunson and and RJ went down. But when you only have Randall as a butterfly score quickly, who can score but has to take on a bigger role and Grimes too, I don't. It's it's kind of like I kind of expected. I'm kind of actually shocked that we're still able to score over 100 points. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, I, I really agree with you. There's no reason why Emmanuel quickly shouldn't have been the starter over a small forward like Albert Burtz in the second half of the season last year. And I told my dad to like even some other buddies I was texting. They were like, uh, McBride needs to sit because he was having another hard shooting night. But in my opinion, I rather did him get his lumps in real time game moments than putting up 30, 10 and 15 in the G League. And, you know, not, not meaningless, but against meaningless competition. And I think right. when he's playing the game, it's better for his experience he's getting this year to fortify him and know what he needs to work on during the offseason and what he needs to work on uh, with the assistant coaching staff and practice for going the next season when hopefully we have more talent on the roster uh, and maybe a little bit more space for him to play in the backcourt once Rose is taken off the team. Yeah, I I agree. The McBride thing is is still is still a, a thing to watch. Um with McBride, you know, I'm not going to overreact or underreact right now. He's struggling offensively. Uh, I expect him to start, at least in my mind, 
bare minimums to start hit open three-point shots because I've seen it in summer league. You've seen it, you know, in, in G League. But, you know, when Randall's working hard to give you open shots, you got to take it. Um, so I hopefully he starts to hit those. But the, where the concern for McBride has been is the the shot block rate. It seems like whenever he goes to the hole, he can't really score or he doesn't he doesn't have the savvy yet to figure out how to score over to, taller defenders. It seemed like he started that earlier, like a, a couple of games ago before the Spurs. But since the Spurs games, it seems like he's routinely routinely getting blocked at the backboard, at the board. I mean, at the rim. And um, at this point, like I said, it's still early. He's getting a lot of minutes he's not used to, but it is a long-term concern, and I hope he can actually develop that moving forward. Yeah, the scouting's out on him, too. You know, m- most coaches are aware of what he's – the struggles he's had shooting a three ball. So I'm sure that they're, you know, they're giving him space on the perimeter and crowding him when he goes in there. So they're making it difficult on him to get easy points in the basket. At that three-point shot to come down with any more efficiency than it has in the last five or seven games – then he should have a little bit more space to move with because he has a decent first step to get to the basket. Um, but, you know, the, the, the defenses are adjusting to his uh, deficiency. So it's, it's easy for them to collapse on him when he's going in. Yeah, and it's like it seems like he only – he overthinks things. He can tell. When the game was on the line versus the Spurs and he's like, oh, you had to shoot, all of a sudden he started hitting threes. <laughs> you know, he started hitting threes out of nowhere. Um, so I, I think I still feel like me call me naive or weird, whatever. I still feel like the threes are going to drop eventually. He just he just needs to take care of these opportunities while he has them because there's going to be a point when Jalen Brunson comes back. And I want you to get into rhythm now, get used to hitting those threes, because when Jalen Brunson does come back, you're going to be going back to five and ten minutes a game or so. You know what I mean? And we want you to be ready to hit those threes. I mean, hopefully not. I hope it stays above to 10 minutes. I really, you know, I didn't think that Tibbs was going to break that nine-man rotations, but injuries forced his hand, and now we're starting to see some Evan Fournier minutes, and Derrick Rose has consistently been playing, you know, eight to 10 minutes a game. I, I hope that when Brunson comes back, Rose's minutes are completely uh, evaporated and given completely to McBride, so he can, he can boost some of his reps and playing time in real-game situations. I, I agree. I think that's coming. I think that's coming. I think Derrick Rose, he wasn't playing before when he had a full healthy team, so I don't expect to see him playing afterwards. And Derrick Rose hasn't really shown us really anything at this point. So there's no really no reason for him to really play, really. I, he's a born body at this point. So uh, I love Derrick Rose, but that's it's just is what it is. Um, yep. But you already mentioned it, Evan Fournier, man. Been, been begging Thibodeau to open up the rotation and not go with the eight-man rotation um, since that game in Dallas. He's opened it up to Evan Fournier during the Spurs and during today. And you got to give credit to Evan Fournier. He has delivered. It hasn't always been pretty, but we've needed some scoring at certain points, and he provided some scoring, Evan Fournier, on the night. Eight points. Um, You know, two or six. You know, it wasn't a great shooting night, but it was he was there for important moments of the game. You know what I mean? There was that time where the second unit was struggling. He hit a big bucket. Um, Emmanuel quickly hit a bucket as well. 
and it, he he's trying to stay ready, even though it was, it was a rough shooting night today. But ah, uh, it is what it is. Nineteen minutes for Evan Fournier. At least he's a threat to hit a three. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for a team that's in desperate need of perimeter shooting to space out the offense, uh, I have no problem with him coming off the bench. Never had a problem with him being a bench player for this team. Uh, never really understood why he was removed from the lineup overall. I know Tibbs is really trying to strengthen the, the defensive rotations on the perimeter, but mm-hmm. th- there were stretches where we were still – I mean, there was a stretch tonight in the first quarter where we were awful with that eight-man rotation uh, on the perimeter. And Houston, a team of guys are at average age of 20 or 21, one or two years in the lead, were shooting like confident veterans out there. Uh, so, yeah, I think that Fournier should be situational, kind of the same way with Davis Bertans is in Dallas, where certain matchups allow him to play some small ball four or you know on the perimeter as a secondary facilitator at the three. He, I think he should be getting his minutes. But it's interesting that – Fournier is able to crack the rotation, but Cam Reddish is not. I don't know if he, like, Cam Reddish hooked up with Tom Thibodeau's niece or his, his goddaughter or, like, what 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 issues are going on between those two. But it's oh, hard man. to call it anything but dislike, like personal dislike um, in that relationship because there's no reason why Cam Reddish, who's better at Fournier just about everything but shooting, um, shouldn't be playing in some situation, especially tonight. We're on a five-game losing streak. Why not insert Cam Reddish into the rotation and see what he can give you, especially if you're trying to increase his trade value? Because right now, I don't really know what you would get back for him or Fournier, a late protected first-round pick. But it's like the, the value has really shrunken. You're not going to get an equal return for what you, you gave up to get him. Uh, so you yeah. should be trying to build up his confidence and build up his trade value and giving him 10, 12 minutes a game. But, you know, Tibbs be Tibbing. So here we are. Uh, it's interesting that Cam ain't playing. I'm not one of those people in the Cam high that think that, that he's the second coming of anybody. Like it's going to be Al Harrington, 2009, coming to the game and dropping 30. But I think he can give you some solid minutes uh, at the three and four defensively, especially with OB out. Yeah, I was really curious to see if he did open up the rotation. Whether Would he go for Evan or for Cam? Um at this point, I'm just like, I don't have any strong feelings either way if it was either one of them at this point, to be honest with you. I would rather, I mean, like, I would rather see Cam because of his defensive potential personally, but, like, it's just, like, a one or two games before the trade deadline, I don't see that value rising any anything significantly so i'm not even you know i'm not even i'm not even tight over anymore to be honest with you dog <laughs> i'm not i'm not even tight it's like once they eight man once we got on a winning street eight man winning street with the nine run rotation i was like okay well i guess he found he found his niche i was pissed when he didn't play either one of those guys during the dallas game yeah me too but you know at this point it's just i'm just like i'm 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 flipping a quarter because we needed offense, we need three-point shooting and scoring really bad, and we needed defense as well. So, as tactically, it was like a flip of coin for me. I agree you with that. I mean? I mean, we're still a month and a half, two months away from a trade deadline, so there is some time for both of them to build their value up uh, in a pretty solid sample size. But I don't, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. I think once a, one or both RJ and Brunson get back, both those guys are, are going to stay on the bench. Uh, I mean, Cam hasn't even gotten off, so Fournier will be back on the bench. I think Rose's minutes will decrease too, and we'll be seeing the same nine-man rotation that Tibbs was running during that eight-game win streak. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yo, salute to the chat too. Um, we having to talk about this Knicks win, Knicks versus Houston. We finally, finally, finally stopped a five game losing streak and beat the Rockets away from MSG 108 to 88, led by Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle. Uh, so if you want to talk, you already know what it is. Dial at number 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Um, I'm going to try to wrap this show up. So this is New Year's. We try to be, uh, be out with the fam and our peoples and stuff. So I'm going to try to keep this show really tight and concise. All right. Um, all right. You know, I really don't have... I can get to what you want to talk about, Lee. The only other points I have was I thought it was interesting to see Mitch and Sims play together. Uh, and I think that just kind of proves that Tom Thibodeau is frustrated <laughs> with Hartenstein too. Even though Mitch and Sims only play like 30 seconds together. Listen, Hartenstein, he's been pretty good offensively on the offensive boards, but defensively, jeez, oh. man. The defensive Awful, boards... Bro. And right when that second was in the game, he he blew a defensive rebound and it led to a three for the Rockets. Tom Thibodeau calls timeout and gets rent and gets uh and gets Sims in there with Mitch. Um, so I like I said before, Tibbs is seeing it, but there's there's politics of the game, and there's the game, and. He has to play both. We paid Hardenstein the money, so he has to pay both. We're going to have to just grit through it this season. Next season, I guarantee you, uh, Hardenstein will be the new Evan Fournier. Yeah, there's there's definitely a connection, between a parallel between Grimes and Fournier last year and Sims and Hardenstein this year. Because uh, Sims outplayed Hartenstein almost every minute that they shared the court together, and Hartenstein still played like six or seven more minutes than Sims. And Hartenstein got like 15 minutes total tonight, and all 15 were a waste of space. Uh, it's just like he, he just gets bullied. You know, like he, he can't get in a position to where he can take advantage of smaller matchups. Uh, he doesn't have the IQ to, to put himself in position to get those. And on yep. defense, he just didn't, he's getting out, botched out. Out muscled, he doesn't. His timing's off too on a defensive rebounds. It's just that almost has a different mindset compared to an offensive rebound to a defensive rebound, and maybe because he has a little bit more confidence in his scoring ability around the basket instead of having to get a defensive rebound um, uh, and, and set the offense going. It's a little bit interesting how there's, there's such a discrepancy there between both sides of the ball. But you know, before we finish, man, I really love Quentin Grimes. Love what I saw yes. today. You know, the guy had 19 points and uh, 10 of those were outside of a three-point line, didn't shoot any free throws and showed you a wide variety of what he can do driving to the basket. He might be our second-best penetrator after Brunson. I really love how the kid gets to the hoop, how he uses his body to create space. He, he absorbs, you know, hits. I've seen four games in a row now get to the basket in a larger sample size with a higher role in production and really being able to absorb contact and finish around the rim. Uh, I think there's a lot of upside to him that I didn't see in summer league because he was depending so much on a three-point stroke. Yeah. This season, with RJ down these last couple of games, he's really showed his all-around game. Showed a little bit in the mid-range, showed his, his awesome three-point stroke, and his really excellent ability getting to the paint and the teeth of the defense um, and, 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 hit, and hitting those layups and dunks. He's got some athleticism in him, a little bit of bounce. Obviously, he's a great defensive player. I think he leads the NBA right now in the toughest matchups in terms of guarding the opposing team's best player 
at, at all times. So I, a lot of upside. Feeling really good about him going to the second half of the season. He's probably the number one niche I'm going to keep my eye on moving forward. Yeah, Quentin Grimes. I feel like he was overusing summer league as a first option. Um, but I could see him maybe in a second and third option role, maybe in the future because of the three point shooting, because of the of the decision making as well. Even this season, yeah. clean the glass has him at the in the eighty fifth percentile at uh, at the rim for his position. He shoots seventy one percent at the rim. And, you know those you know those numbers are important. That's a recipe for um, that's like a modern shot chart dream when you're a good. Uh, above average rim finisher and above average three point finisher at the same time. That's like, that's the prototype for the modern NBA player. As of this year, he's shooting 36% from three. So now he's finally creeped up to league average. I expect that number to keep climbing. I expect him to be over league average by the time the season is over. And Grimes, Grimes and the dishing from Grimes is always a treat. Love. I, I agree, man. I think he's got some of the highest potential of this young core that we have on the team. I like his ability uh, at the two and three. And even as a, as a facilitator, he actually has a pretty high IQ as a passer. And we, we saw Tom Tom uh, Thibodeau run some plays for him. He's actually getting some of the similar plays that's ran for RJ, ran for him in these opportunities. And he's taking full advantage of it, getting to the basket with more confidence. At least I have more confidence in him than I do RJ when he's driving to the hole. So, uh, yeah, Quentin Grimes. Uh, moving up the charts, probably my second favorite player right now after Brunson. And I love him as a backcourt. That's the future, uh, you know, as of right now with no trades being made. That, that's probably the two guys we're going to be looking at leading the backcourt uh, for the next couple of years. And I like it a lot. I, I like to have a compliment each other. Absolutely. Mr. Untouchable, man, doing this thing today. Gave you 19 points. Excellent defense. Needs to pull back on the ticky-tack fouls a little bit, especially a three-point line. But you always going to love the, the effort for him. And he's become really good at, you know, challenging jump shots, fighting over screens, and saving fast break plays. How many times have we seen him hustle back on yeah. defense, smack the ball out of somebody's hands, and it'll either, like, go out of bounds or hit somebody – Hits the, the player's knee who's in the fast break and go out of bounds. No quit and quit and grinds. Mr. Untouchable. No Donovan Mitchell. We not have we not trading quit and grinds for you. He's Mr. Untouchable. I'm not gonna be you're, you're, you are right I'm about joking, the I'm fouls. Joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, you, you are right about the fouls, but in that Dallas game, that's the one that really sits out in my mind the most is when he fouled Luke on the three-point line. He is always darting a superstar. And those superstars yeah. are going to get calls. So that is a percentage of those city tat fouls are just the refs playing politics and giving those calls to the superstars in crunch time. But he does a pretty good job of playing smart, straight-up defense for the most part in the perimeter. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Quentin Grimes, my man. Young Clay Thompson. Young Allen Houston. As- <laughs> I love that one. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we call Allen Houston here for for a while, but I liked I liked your your description of him, Lee. You called him. What did you say? You said a combination of Allen Houston and and Shumpert. Yeah, I said he had the offensive Allen Houston, the defensive Iman Shumpert, and the dog mentality of John Starks. I like that. I like that. I'm a, here. We go. If Allen Houston and Iman Shumpert had a baby, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be quitting Grimes. <laughs> That's my kid, man. I love Quentin Grimes. Texas boy. <laughs> my guy, Quentin Grimes. So salute to the chat, man. I see everybody in here. 68 people over here in New Year's. First, I want to shout out to Jason M. Long. 
time follower, contributor, supporter of KOT show sends a two dollars super chat. Yeah. Says, Mr. Game, just showing love. Happy New Year. Shout out to my guy, Jason M. Uh, we always agree, disagree, everything, but you know, always, always love for Jason M. <laughs> a shout out to Jay Boogie. He sends a ten dollars super chat. Says, Shout out to the chat. Blessings, health, happiness, and happy holidays. Happy New Year. So long, 22. Have a good trip. We on the 23. JL, I sent you a New Year banger. We come in the New Year above 500. All right, all right. Shout out to my guy, Jay Boogie. And we already we prayed the Christmas, uh, Jay Boogie's uh, Christmas song already. And we sent the link in the chat on Christmas Day. Definitely check out Jay Boogie's uh, Christmas song. You can play it right now. It's still December. It's still, we still in the season, all right? <laughs> so it still counts shout out to jay boogie and thank you for the bangers all right and also salute to everybody in chat shout out to sherwin welcome back sherwin shout out to dj space ghost i see you robert roberto rivera uh who else i see almighty finesse east blue drew everybody else's rock with the show salute to you uh jt reddick gerald gerald mcgyver everybody everybody if you're new in the chat let me know say new and i'll, I'll give you a shout out okay all right now, now let's get to it. I know Lee got the smoke ready. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preface you for the guys who are here. Lee said, Jay Ellis, I saw the show that you and Raw did, and I didn't like it. You said some things that I just don't agree with, and I come here to address it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here's the thing, man. Like, I was live and direct at that game in the stands. Mm -hmm. My buddy hooked me up with some really fat tickets and my pops and I were able to experience that game together. We were in good spirits, man. We had a lot of fellow Knit fans in the house. I mean, Dallas always has a lot of Knit fans. So I watched it with my own two eyes and uh, I just had a lot of disagreements with what Raw said, especially after a a loss that was so brutal. And Mm -hmm. I don't don't know about you, but that loss is still with me. Like I'm still thinking about that Dallas loss. Oh yeah, that loss sucked. Man, it was one of the worst in recent memory. Uh, definitely the worst inside the R.J. Barrett era, uh, even though he was injured. So the first thing he said was that we shouldn't have won that game. Like, you know, if you told me that Brunson, R.J. were injured, well, sh- should we have won that game against Dallas? And I would say, yeah, I, I still think we could have because Joyce Randall has always balled out in his hometown city. He says that's his gym. Uh, Quentin Grimes was able to step into R.J.'s role and play some really excellent minutes at the two. Dallas is also not good. You know, Dallas at that point was at one game over 500. Uh, they had the same record as us. This is not the Dallas of last year in the Western Province Finals. Jeremy Brunson's on our team. I was wearing his jersey in Dallas. Uh, and I, I don't think there's a reason why we couldn't have at least made that game competitive. And once we did, in the fourth quarter, up by nine with 30 seconds to go, yeah, we should have won that game. I think all the talk and the hypotheticals about, you know, before the game started and who's playing and who's not go out the window when you're actually up by nine. And that, that mental collapse to me, all the things that happened in the course of that mental collapse was on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I, I try my best to give props and props to do and to be and mm-hmm. critique when critique are due. And right now I had nothing bad to say about Joyce Randall. If I was to critique Joyce Randall, I would be a hater because I'm hating when the evidence shows otherwise. But Tom right. Thibodeau, I think there's still a lot of critiques to be made about him as a head coach and his decision making, especially in crunch time. This is not to have uh, Jericho Sims on the foul line when Luka Doncic was shooting us free throws, which he probably wouldn't have gotten an offensive rebound, or just to tell your team, hey, 
Don't worry about anybody else on the court. Don't worry about Reggie Bullock catching the ball and trying to put it back up into the basket or Dwight Powell or anyone else. Just focus on Luka Doncic and double that man. This was a second game in a row that we had where the opposing team is telling us that the systems of defense that we're facing are outdated, that we haven't seen drop coverage since college, or you know they're the only team in the NBA that doesn't double Luka Doncic. These are the stars themselves telling us these things, what they're seeing on the court, and I trust their opinion a lot more than, than us as the fans. And to me, it's a disgrace to have a coach who's so stuck in his ways and so stuck in his own arrogance that he can't evolve with the times and evolve game to game and become mm-hmm. a situational coach to be able to change change his methodology when the game calls for it. And to me, Raw was carrying a lot of water for the front office and the coach because he's been supporting him from the very get-go, and I, I have to. I, I call 50-burger. I said it's mm-hmm. going to be Tom Thibodeau's best coaching year, but there have been moments where it's shown otherwise, and I've been wrong in that initial statement. And I, I thought about calling in, but I couldn't even watch the recap, bro. I was just like so devastated. Uh, but I wanted to address it since I have an opportunity uh, with you because I agreed more with your points and that yeah. night, but there still were moments that we should have won. And a lot of those moments were not byproducts of Randall or byproducts of Manuel quickly, even though they had their faults. To me, it really came down with Tom Thibodeau. And that was a game that we could have won and that we should have won. Okay, so okay, so you're you you're your comments are more about what Royal's saying because I feel I kind of agree with you, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I feel like there might have been like two percent that I didn't agree with, but I agree with so much I don't remember exactly what I, I forgot what I disagreed with. To be honest, <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I disagreed with was um. Oh yeah, I remember now. The only thing I kind of disagreed with was if he's the beginning statement. If you said we're playing Dallas without Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. Um, I would expect to lose that game. I I I I do agree with Raw when it comes to that, but the fact that we were up nine with thirty seconds left, um, we shouldn't have we should not have lost that game. Like we, that that was an historic loss. We're going like one of the only teams who lost who were up nine with thirty seconds left it was like it was, I forgot the statistical number. It was something we, crazy. We, was the, we were the first and only. Yeah, we were the first and only. We were the first and only. So the tactical, like you said, the tactical, the tactical errors that were made. Um, it was like not having a, a we, and he's done it before. I shout out to Fred Katz, who said that he's gone, he's done this before, where he had Sims and Mitch in there to secure the rebound, so things like that wouldn't happen. He chose not to do it this time. I don't know. Maybe he thought Sims was in foul trouble, wasn't playing well mentally. But I still think in those situations you have to do that. I still feel yeah. like we should have been injected uh, Cam or Evan situationally, even if, even if for five minutes, um, because we played the the other players so many high minutes. Um, but I see, I, I agree with you, man. I, I definitely agree with you. The only thing I'm I swayed on really was the defensive, like. Tibbs adjustments, I agree with. He doesn't make adjustments when he when he needs to. But like the defense we've had still has us in top 10 in different categories. And I don't I watched some other guys' video who who said that our defense is is kind of similar to another top team. It was I think it was the Heat's defense that he compared us to. And he's like, they actually do it well, but we don't because we don't actually try hard enough or have the people who execute it so that's the only reason that i've kind of backed off of the the systems thing and and gone to well maybe it's the players you know what i mean 
but all in all for the for your grand argument i i agree i agree with the lack of adjustments and we shouldn't have won that we shouldn't have lost that game yes and players not putting forth enough effort not hitting free throws those are both damnations of a coach um that doesn't mean that the players are not held accountable but to me it's part and parcel to the coach preparing your players to know who to box out who you have covered uh, to, to be able to, to have discipline enough and to practice enough your free throws, especially in crunch time, to me, is, has the same responsibility in the head coach as it does for the out-of-timeout plays or out-of-bounds plays. Though, though that's on Tom Thibodeau's to decision-making and, and assertion. And to me, that was completely out the window. And that last 30 seconds, half the damn auditorium left. Like fans were walking up and yeah. I was like – Talking smack, waving them by. Dude, I was talking smack that whole game. I got my ass laughed out that stadium, bro. They were like booing me, booing me and my dad. Bro, Bro. it was embarrassing. Embarrassing. And then I had to come and watch this show and hear someone defend Tom Thibodeau in the front office for this team that's put in place and this coach that's put in place and the leash that's put on this coach. I'm like, nah, man. Dibs, dad, go. Listen, Randall's playing his ass off. I'm not going to say fire uh, trade Randall. The man's awesome. But – Tom Thibodeau, to me, needs to go because with him in place, we're stuck in the middle we're, and we're not going to get a generational talent either way. It's not happening in free agency and it's not happening in the draft because right now we're, we're one game over 500 in the eighth seed. We're going to get eliminated in five games of the Bucks or the Celtics or whoever we play. What's the, I mean, what's the point? That's all I'm saying. I had to get that off my chest. Thank you, bro. I, I got you. I got you. And I'm going to keep my Tom Thibodeau stance as well. I I – I don't feel like he has. I know he has to go at some point. I just don't think the point is right now. For uh, he has to go before the points that stated, you know, his inability to adjust in certain situations. Um, I feel like he has a ceiling when it comes to the playoffs. But for where we at now, when you're still trying to build habits with the young players and teaching how to play defense and put a system in place and all that stuff, he's good for now. For for right now. But there's going to be a point where we're going to have to break. Um, I don't think it's right now. I, th- I feel like people were kind of pissed that we lost the the Spurs game, and and I I agree that he had a lot to do with the Dallas loss, um, with the Spurs loss. I I like we I didn't I I can't really he. He injected Evan Fournier. He, he expanded rotation. Like I said, is 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 either or for me at that point. You get in the offense of Evan or some of the defense of Cam. And when you watch the videos, even Cam's defense is good one on one, but bad team. So it's, right. it's a little bit of a trade off roll the dice there. It's, to me, I can't really blame Tom for the Spurs loss. I can blame Tom for the for the Dallas loss. Yeah, uh, for for that reason. Um, I I wouldn't say it's time to fire him right now, but at some point, I think we're we definitely gonna have to move on from time from because of things you stated, the inability to make adjustments. Yeah, and I would rather do it sooner than later, just so we can have some direction for the future of his team. Like, what what are we trying to do? Are we really trying to compete in the play in or, or six or seven seed this season, or are we trying to get you know maybe the seventh or tenth draft pick? I don't think tanking it is even on the table. At this point, but are we trying to get a higher draft pick to package our draft capital and move up? Like, I don't really know what the. I look at this team. I don't know what the plan is moving forward, and it even becomes further complicated and muddled under Tom Thibodeau as our head coach. I, I really, I have like, I can't get any discernment on on what the point is for this season besides him trying to win every game under his way 
with no adjustments, you know, and, and that's led to us being one game over 500. Well, the plan is to make the playoffs with a team that has mostly young players contributing to the playoffs and man quickly miles mcbride rj barry we drafted mitchell robinson we we drafted quentin grimes we drafted along with jalen brunson if we winning as a team and we're over 500 and we're in the playoffs and we have picks moving forward you you then have a situation where the people in your organization's value has risen and you can probably make a move at a certain point if needs be and the package with picks to get a superstar here that's always that's been the play um so if we're continuing to read to win and be around 500 a little bit better um we should be able to make some some type of move at some point fair also hope it comes sooner rather than later yeah i think whatever movie make it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be any big moves made before the trade deadline. It's going to be small moves maybe at the trade deadline, if anything. Um, I know we saw this on Obi Toppin rumor. Um, talk, uh, it was rumored that said Obi Toppin would go to the Indiana Pacers. Um, I'm not sure if that's ha- will happen, but look, you already know it, it would probably be for a first round pick, if anything, from the Pacers who have a bevy of first round picks. Um, but the, like the if only, something like big happens, it would be in the offseason. The only insider info I can give you from being at that game is from where I was sitting, I would say less than 20 feet away. I watched William Wesley, World Wide West, the entire game. He was staying in the tunnel. I didn't see Scott Perry or uh, Leon Rose at the game, but I, I saw William West. He's mostly by himself. First half, people were coming over taking photos with him. He even signed a few autographs. He was all smiles. By the late third quarter, he was by him. He kept someone kept coming out and giving him a brand new sheet of paper. I think they're probably like shooting splits and uh, you know turnovers and, and team stats. By that fourth quarter, bro, he was furious. Oh, he man. was pissed. I can imagine. It, it, it gave me the the, the inkling that, he, and, and this has happened in the past. We've heard this rumor. He might be the one pushing for something a little bit bigger behind the scenes. That's pure speculation. Just telling you what I saw when yeah. I was there. I kept an eye on him the whole game. Uh, I think if there is someone that's pushing for a major move, it's probably him. I can see it too, man. I can see it too. I feel like there's been rumors that World Wide West wanted moves last season. It just hasn't worked out. You keep seeing stories about somebody in the front office who has a lot of power, wants something done. But at the end of the day, Leon Rose has the final say. And that's a lot of reason why probably the big moves haven't been made. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's behind a lot of these big moves type of ideas um especially he's, he's at the games live this consistently you know what i mean agreed scouting other teams and seeing how that we compare teams that are about at our playing level and i would put dallas and the Knicks really similar so he's probably trying to try and see how we stack up against a team that actually does have a superstar and what that looks like you know and what kind of players to be best fit around randall and brunson moving forward because i really feel like this team is truly committing to randall uh in the long term i wouldn't be surprised if ob has moved uh, but by this summer, I don't want him to be, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. I, I wouldn't be when, when, when Randall was having that all-star season, that first season, he was, uh, when we drafted Obi, I was thinking like, oh damn, we might have to move Obi because he's never going to get an actual shot to really do something. And this year, Obi came in, shot, started shooting well from three. He's gotten a little better defensively, but he still has a, a long way to go defensively. And, 
at the same time, looking at Randall, he's having another career year. He seems like he's grown even bigger. We have Jalen Brunson here is more of a win now piece. And we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait for Obi to, to, to develop. It's going to take a couple of years, especially because considering he hasn't played more than 18 minutes a game since he's been here and he's the eighth yep. pick. So even though the rumor is a rumor, like it, it makes sense because because it just seems like there is no path for Obi to reach his full potential. Um, I still feel like Obi has a lot of potential to be um, a, a good scorer and p- hopefully a passable defender in the future who can, you know, move the ball and be really good in a fast-paced offense. But I, it just seems like it's just no path for him to do it, especially because, you know, Randall's a power forward and he's getting even better this season. So, like, what do you do? <laughs> and I'm not advocating that Obi and Randall has been great paired together, but I think most coaches around the NBA, we would have seen those two played in a larger sample size starting from last season. Maybe even in his yeah. rookie season, we would have seen that. But Tibbs is so stuck on having a traditional center. Hence why we have three on the roster and all three play major minutes, which is absurd. He's the only coach in the NBA doing that as well. Uh, yeah, we're not going to have any opportunity for OB or Randall to play any other position besides a power forward position, even as a lead trends in the opposite direction. It, 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 the thing is, too, even if that was to happen, um, defensively, Randall and Obi together. How long? Okay, well, let's say Obi plays 10, 15, 15 minutes behind Randall. How many minutes would you say we can play? He can play besides Randall for. Do you think he can play like 20 minutes besides Randall? No, no. If he's playing 15 minutes behind him, I, I, personally, I would like 10 or 12 next to him. Right. So that's 22. That's 22 minutes a game. He's getting 18 minutes a game right now. So the so like even so thinking about that, your minutes limit for the number eight pick lottery pick in the tw- in the COVID draft is 21 minutes a game. It's still not. You know what I mean? It's still yeah, not. It's, it's not where it's not where you would want it to be. But that's because Julius Randle is one of the best power forwards in the NBA. Like that's the reason, not for anything that Obi has or hasn't done. Although he right. does have his deficiencies as uh, a, a switchable big on defense, but really it's because of Joyce Randall's emergence in the last three seasons that coincided perfectly with Obi Toppin's drafting. He was basically drafted to replace Randall, but Randall, you know, busted out in that most improved player season, and everything changed. You know, but I think twenty-two minutes a game is a kind of what you're seeing Christian Wood do right now in Dallas. He's playing, you know, by himself and about half the minutes and the other half the minutes he's paired with, well, before he went down, Matthew Kleber, who's a, a much better defender and a, a much better passer. And he's allowed really just to score. And a lot of his defensive miscues are cleaned up by by Maxi. I think Randall's just as good of a defender as Maxi is and has the ability like Maxi to guard the perimeter and switch. It just really has to do with Obi's commitment to defense and his ability to watch tape and improve and understand his footwork and what right. he needs to do to become better in order for it to work. And it, that hasn't happened yet. That that onus is on Obi, and Obi has not lived up to that onus. So, you know, it's one of the reasons why he's been stuck on the bench. But I think at this point, you, you you have to sell as high as you can on either of them. And I just don't see the front office selling on Randall, even though his stock has never been higher than it is right now. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's going to end up being Obi. 
Yeah, shoot. I'm, I'm not even, I don't even think it's smart to sell Aranda right now, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, I know I it's, mean, it's the, the he's playing? Twitter opinion, but. Mm. <laughs> he's playing great ball. I, there's few guys in the NBA overall that are playing better than him, and especially his position. I, I No one pops in my head at the power forward position that's playing definitively better than him. That's a true power forward. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why he's I said. Ball. The only I said this before in the 76ers game, he wasn't here. The only future trade that makes sense in my head that I can think of is if if um the reports are true that James Harden leave wants to leave, you know? And since and because Jay Harden wants to leave because the Sixers didn't win a chip, he goes back to Houston and B says, I want to leave, trade me. Uh, we trade Randall to the 76ers for a package and Joel Embiid. OB comes to the he's the starting four at that point. It gets the minutes next to Embiid. We can kind of cover up a little bit of his shortcomings. And, you know, that's Definitely. the only thing that kind of makes sense to me in my head. But, you know. Yeah, Embiid's like the best defensive bid this year. Uh, definitely at the center position. I think he's the second best bid overall in the NBA. Yeah, his, his defensive numbers have really skyrocketed. Um, and this year, which I think he's, I think he's a bona fide MVP candidate. I love Embiid. Made sense with the Leon Rose connection too. Yep, yep. That's the only thing that can make sense to me in my head that I can theorize um, without yeah. just you know moving Randall for like first rounder from Phoenix. It's just like doesn't make sense to me. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I agree. Yeah, but salute to the chat, man. No callers tonight, which is cool. We can wrap this up. Um, but if you're loving the show, please hit the like button and subscribe button. We're here after every game talking Knicks basketball, even on New Year's, even on Christmas. We are here, whether it's me by myself, me and the crew, we are here talking Knicks basketball. So shout out to you guys. All right. All right. Um, and you know, shout out to the guys in the chat. Anybody, I don't see anybody really new in the chat. Shout out to Almighty Finesse, been a minute since I've seen you. Shout out to JT Riddick. Shout out to Hans who Hans Hisu. I think I said it right. Hans Hisu. And everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. All right. That right, man. I get I guess this is, this is a good time. This is a good place to wrap it up. Good show, Lee. Always good having you here. Same buddy. All right. All right. Let me know where you can find you, sir. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be on SNY TV again in the evening time. Uh, we're, we're, we are recording it in the morning, but I'll be on uh, for the evening show with, with Dexter uh, tomorrow on, on Sunday for January 1st. You can find me on Twitter until then, talking a lot of smack at underscore Lee Escobedo, L-E-E-E-S-T-O-B-E-B-O. Right. Search the word bum and Lee <laughs> Escobedo's <laughs> name should come out top of the search. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Type Nick's bum and then boom, you'll see the speedo. If, if you can't remember how to spell his name on Twitter, even though it's written right here, type Nick's bum and you'll see it. <laughs> you got my girl laughing in the background, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a popular word. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you already know, man. You can find it. KOT show. Uh, you find us on Twitter at the KOT show. Find us on Instagram at the Nick of Time show and also on Facebook at the Nick of Time show. Also, listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. All right. 
the KOT show. Also get those snapbacks, the black and whites and the blue and orange. Shout out to the snapbacks. I see the snapback crew starting to order some snapbacks. Y'all wanted to wait for the winter to order yours. I see you though. I see you. All right. Also definitely check out Ken's article. He is doing a, a I don't know how many parts he's going to do. But shout out to Ken. He called in the other day. Very knowledgeable guy. And he's doing like a three-part article. I think three-part or maybe four-part. You never know what Ken. Um, but he's breaking down the front office moves since he's been there and he's grading them. The first uh, part was, was pretty good. So definitely check that out. Shout out to my guy. Ken, Yo, right? shout out Ken from one niche content writer to another. He's one of the best in the game, man. Did the time show. Very lucky to have him on your on your staff. Dude's a great writer, and I'm always sharing his stuff when I publish. He's one of my favorite writers. Yeah, man. Ken is is is, is, is for real deal. Holy Phil. That's why I scooped him up uh, on the show, and then someone scooped him for me, and I scooped him back. So shout out to Ken. <laughs> 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 man. Somebody else, man. Listen, I, listen, I don't brag a lot. KOT or the first a lot, a lot of firsts for KOT. Uh, one of the K, one of the first from KOT is KOT is the first one of the first content creators, not one of the first. I'm sorry, the first podcast content creators to actually put out blog content. All right, shout out to to Ryan G, who was the original first writer from the KOT show, then went to Ken, then expanded from there. And we inspire everybody else to do it. And I, yellow guys don't know that, but KOT is the first to do it. All right. So shout out to Ken and Ryan G. All right. That is our show. All right. And as you know, you already know what it is. As always. Shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. Mess out here in these Knicks, YouTube, and Twitter streets, your bums. That is our show. <laughs> we are out of here, man. Oh, man. Peace. <laughs>